0: Welcome everyone, today is the sixth Sunday after Pentecost, it's hot outside and I'm so excited today, not just because it's hot, but because we have Deacon Curtley here for one final time. He and his lovely wife Iva are moving to Portland where he'll be teaching at Portland Seminary and serving as a curate at Church of the Vine. Church of the Vine. See how natural that was that we did that. So Deacon Curtly, we're so glad you're here today. We're go- he's going to be serving leading our prayers at the end of the service, so please uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, welcome. Make sure you've downloaded your bulletin. Maybe you've chosen paper today or maybe something electronic. doesn't matter, download it. Let's worship together now in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, open our lips.. O God, make speed to save us. us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord.
1: Praised, O God in Zion, to you shall vows be performed in Jerusalem. Our sins are stronger than we are, but you will blot them out. Awesome things will you show us in your righteousness. O God of our salvation, O hope of all the ends of the earth and of the seas that are far away. You still the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the clamor of the peoples. You visit the earth and water it abundantly, you make it very plenteous. The river of God is full of water. You drench the furrows and smooth out the ridges. With heavy rain you soften the ground and bless its increase. May the fields of the wilderness be rich for grazing, and the hills be clothed with joy. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The first lesson comes from the book of Romans. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The word of the Lord.
2: The Gospel reading today is from St. Matthew. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, Lord Christ.
3: Let us pray. Lord God, as you sow your word today in our hearts, we pray that we would have deep roots. We pray, Lord, that as you sow the word of your seed, the seed of your word in our hearts that it would bear much fruit that it would take root that we would believe that we would understand give us eyes to see lord give us ears to hear what it is that you want to say to us through your word today in jesus name amen well hello people of saint bart's hope you're doing well on this lord's day um the last few weeks we've been talking about our vision and values And last week, Jay talked about the value of rootedness. And as you just heard this Gospel reading, I want you to think about the the value of rootedness. That one of the seeds is able to plant and establish itself but cannot endure because it has no roots. Um, We want to be a people who are rooted. And part of being rooted is being rooted in good soil and letting the seed of God's word grow up in us. And the word that we have in front of us today that I want to look at is the reading from Romans chapter 8. You may have noticed over the past few weeks that the epistle reading has been from the epistle to the Romans. Paul's great and magisterial letter. Um, And this chapter in particular is the high point of of this letter. And I want to begin maybe in what seems like a strange place. I want to begin with verse 8. Romans 8, verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And I want to ask what might seem like a strange, but is ultimately a vital question, which is why do we want to please God? You may never have posed the question in just that way to yourself. Why do we want to please God? But to answer that question, I think, takes us to the heart of what it is we think our relationship to God means. Um, Perhaps for some of us in our early years or even now, pleasing God is just about not getting in trouble. I want to please God because he's the one in charge. He's the one with the power. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to be judged. I don't want to be however you want to fill in that blank. But I think this passage shows us that there's much more than a negative reason to want to please God. Um, that pleasing God has everything to do with who He is in His character. And in these verses, we will see the work of all three members of the Trinity and everything that God has done, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to bring us to Him. We will see in this passage that to please God is. Our greatest joy and delight. It's what human life is for, being in relationship with God, being pleasing to the one who is goodness himself. So keep that in mind, keep that question in the back of your mind as we go through these verses. What, why do I, why do we as a people want to please God? Because Paul tells us that those who are in the flesh cannot please God that there's a barrier between us and pleasing God. And he says that the reason we can't please God is this wonderfully evocative and difficult to understand phrase, the flesh. Don't think of your literal skin, don't think of your literal body when he says the flesh. Romans chapter seven is a deep meditation on the flesh and I encourage you to go back and read that. In order to understand what he's saying, but in some, throughout Romans, basically Paul has said that all these things that we would put our hope in, in our own power, that comes out of the flesh. So for the Jew, that can be the law, that we put our trust in the law to save us, or for the Gentile, in their own conscience, that we put their trust in ourselves, our own morality to save us, and that those are fleshly things, and that the flesh doesn't act on its own, but it is in Uh, collusion in league with the world, the devil, or even capital S sin itself, which is what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 7, that there is this unholy alliance between our sort of fallen bent towards doing things our own way and then this system of the world that allows us to live in that way that allows us to think that we can save ourselves through our own morality through our own striving through ourselves and paul says that's the flesh and that is precisely what cannot please god because it has nothing to do with god when paul talks about the law the law was a gift from god but the way that paul talks about it it's This means of striving, not a means of relating to the one who gave it. So how can we please God if the flesh is a barrier? That may not be the right question. Paul answers a different question. His question that he answers is, who makes us pleasing to God? Paul's answer or question is, who is the one who is already pleasing to God? The beginning of Romans 8, that first verse is famous. It's one of the most famous verses of the Bible. It, it, it stirs us up. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But the next verse is so important. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Verse 3, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. What did he do? By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. There's so much richness in that verse. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus was without sin, we know that. But he takes on our nature and lives within this world The trappings of this world that so entangle us. The trappings of this world that so tempt our flesh. Jesus takes that on. He actually enters into the problem. Jesus isn't a solution from outside the problem. He's a solution from inside the problem. He enters into our flesh in order to save us from the flesh. This puts me in mind, as so many things do because of my deep nerdery, Puts me in mind of Lord of the Rings, all the greatest and most powerful people in Middle Earth are not the ones who can destroy the ring, the ring of power. They can't destroy power with power. How is the ring of power destroyed is taken by a slight one, a little one, into the place of doom and death. He enters into the place of doom and death in order to undo doom and death. That is what Jesus does. He takes on the likeness of sinful flesh. He enters the world. Jesus is like a Trojan horse. He enters in behind enemy lines to defeat the enemy from within the system itself. So Paul is telling us There is one who pleases God, there is one who is faithful, there is one who is true, and he has won a great victory. He has gone into the place of death and doom and come out the other side and invites us to be united to him. His victory over the flesh becomes our victory over the flesh because of the Spirit, So we see that the Father is the one who sends the Son. We see that the Son is the one who comes into the place of death and doom and takes on the likeness of flesh. And we see that the Spirit is the one who unites us to the one who is pleasing to God. By the Spirit, Paul says. And he says what I think is one of the most astonishing verses in the whole of Scripture. And it's one that I come to again and again and I said, if I really believed this... It would change everything. And it's this verse, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Paul says the spirit that dwells in you is the spirit of resurrection. The spirit that dwells in you, people of God, is the spirit that brings life out of death. What difference would that make if we really believed? Paul will go on to say that there is no weapon that can be formed against us. Why? Because death has already been undone. The thing that can really hurt us has already been defeated. Satan, sin, and death, the flesh, all the things that would enslave us, those things have already been defeated And in the Spirit, we have new life. Paul talks about this in Romans 6. We are buried with Christ in baptism and raised by the Spirit to walk in newness of life. Before there's a resurrection, there's a death. And Paul has talked about that already, that for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we have already endured a kind of death. And we've been raised to walk in newness of life by the power of the Spirit. So I want to spend the rest of my time talking about the Spirit. We have the Father who sends the Son, the Son who comes in the likeness of flesh, and now we live in the age of the Spirit. The ascended Christ pours out His Spirit upon us, His people, and this Spirit is doing great and mighty work in us and through us and all around us. And this passage shows us that when we are in the flesh, we are nothing but debtors, we are nothing but slaves. And we are heading nowhere but toward death. But Paul shows us that when we are in the Spirit, we are heirs. We are sons and daughters. And that we are on the path to life. Look at the closing verse, uh, verses of this section. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This is how God brings us into his family. He adopts us. He gives us the spirit of adoption. Now listen to this this language, this language of what the spirit is and does through us. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we also be glorified with him. I want you to notice all the with language. It's here in the English. It just slaps you in the face in the Greek. This with language. The Spirit is with us. He bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit makes us fellow heirs with Christ. The Spirit, through the power of the Spirit, we suffer with Christ and through the power of the Spirit we will be glorified with Christ. This withness means that we're not alone. The Spirit is with us. Paul will go on to say that this same Spirit is groaning, groaning with creation for the redemption of the children of God, for their freedom, and for the freedom of creation itself to be set free from bondage. This Spirit is with us in the mess of things. Jesus doesn't just go into the doom and death, leave, say, see you. <clears throat> he sends us his spirit to dwell with us and in us, to testify with us that we truly are children of God. With means that we are not alone. We are not alone. We have not been left as orphans, as Jesus says. There is a helper who comes, who dwells with us, who dwells in us. Why do I want to be pleasing to God? Why would anyone want to be pleasing to God? Because he's the God who does this. He's the God who undoes death from within death. Not abstracted from it, not from seated on high. Does he just send down a lightning bolt and make it all go away. He enters into it. He comes into our doom, our death. He takes it upon himself. He dies. He's raised. He sends his spirit, the same spirit that raised him from the dead. He gives to us. He doesn't give us seconds. <laughs> he doesn't give us some second-ran spirit. He gives us the very spirit that rose him from the dead, and that spirit is in us, testifying that we are children of God. Who is pleasing to God? The Son, who is the faithful one. But who is pleasing to God? us who now are co-heirs with him because we have the spirit we've been united to the one who is pleasing to god and back to that question why to why do we want to please god not because he's the one who is watching us to make sure we don't screw up not because he's the one that can zap us not because we want anything else from him but because we want him why do we want to please god because he's the father who does this to make us his children. He doesn't keep it all to himself. He gives it away. He gives it away. He pours it out over and over and over again. And then the final question is, how do we please God? We do so in the power of the Spirit. Paul says you can set your mind on the thing in the flesh or you can set your things, mind on the things of the Spirit. And if you walk by the Spirit, you will be pleasing to God. You will be pleasing to God. You will be pleasing to the Father who delights in you as children. These words are always true. They've been true since they were written. They've come down to us through the ages. These words have power because they speak to a deeper identity than anything else that we can get in the world, any identity we can get from the flesh, any identity that we can imagine for ourselves. This is the identity of co-heir with Christ. This is the identity of son and daughter of the high king whose spirit dwells in us, who is with us, who is drawing us up into his glory. I pray that you take comfort in these words. I pray that they won't just be platitudes. I pray that they will not just be words that maybe you've heard a million times before and can therefore ignore. Let these words take root in your heart, and let them bear fruit 30, 60, 100-fold. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: What a powerful message. Let's affirm our faith together by repeating the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is visible and invisible. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made for us and for our salvation, The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Would you join me in a prayer for justice? Almighty God, you created us in your own image. Grant us grace to contend fearlessly against evil, and to make no peace with oppression, and help us to use our freedom rightly in the establishment of justice in our communities and among the nations. To the glory of your holy name, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Pray with me the collect for for the day. Let your merciful ears, O Lord, be open to the prayers of your humble servants and that we may receive what we ask. Teach us by your Holy Spirit to ask only those things that are pleasing to you through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who with you and the same Spirit lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Before we move on to our final prayer, take a moment to, A, reflect on the words that were spoken in the sermon, but also to connect with God and pray right there in your own living room. Take a moment, perhaps you want to put your palms open in a sign of receptivity. Perhaps you even want to kneel there in your own living room. Just take a moment. Connect to the Spirit that lives, the Holy Spirit that lives within you, given to us by the Father and the Son. Come Holy Spirit. Lift up any family member or friend or neighbor that comes to your mind, who's been on your heart. Lift them up to the Father through in the name of the Son, through the Holy Spirit. Lift up this world in our current climate of coronavirus. Pray for doctors and nurses. Pray for those who have lost their lives. We pray for those who are suffering from this illness. Come Holy Spirit, we lift them to you. remember the chaotic state of our world in this country for those who have suffered oppression and violence for those who have suffered from the weapons of hate and evil we lift them up to you lift them up now pray for the church in this time for all bishops priests and deacons Lift them up to the Father. We pray for our neighbors and our friends. Lift them up. And then lastly, whatever concern you have even on your own heart, things you're dealing with in your own household, in your own spirit, lift them now to the Father. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. And finally, this prayer of benediction, this virtual prayer of benediction, that the Lord would be with you, with us, all of us, as we go throughout our days. Glory to God, who can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord be with you. God bless you.